his commands, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then verse 6 says this, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. I love it. I love it. I love the if part. It gives this contingency that if you do all I've commanded, here the blessings will flow. But I, I love the part where it says it will overtake you. Anyone want blessings that overtake you? Man, like just out of control blessing in your life. Last week we talked about this and, and we shared that it, it absolutely includes your bank accounts, but it doesn't stop there, right? That I, I've talked about a country that uh, I, I think it's Fiji, that they were so blessed because of the spiritual leaders in their country that even the, the crops and the ground was fertile. It was, the whole country was blessed from the ground up. Like, so imagine just for a moment, what would it look like, beyond, more than just your money, but including, but what would it look like if your life was blessed? Would it affect your marriages? Would it affect your, your children and your, and your life and your workplace? And what would a blessed life, would, would there be physical healing included? Would there be spiritual, what would it look like to be blessed? And uh, maybe you already are. We're gonna, I wanna, this morning we're gonna hear from somebody who I believe is living a blessed life and it's gonna be kind of fun. Um, and, uh, and so last week, we, the definition of blessed, because there's all kinds of definitions. How many know that? And so you're going to use my definition. Would you like to know what it is? <laughs> Just so we're all on the same page. Blessed uh, or blessing. To bestow goodness and favor, to invoke such qualities upon another, or an oath or vow that results in prosperity. How many know that God makes an oath or a vow with you? And if we come into agreement with it, that there's a prosperous, blessed life. I am, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. And so the, the last week was week one. It was all about the heart. And we're asking this question all throughout this series. Am I blessed? Ask yourself that. Am I blessed? And here's the, here was the thought last week. To the degree that my heart is unlocked and I walk in obedience will be the degree that I experience the blessing and favor of the Lord. I want to have an unlocked heart, and, and I hope you do too. Hey, this morning, I'm going to invite my, one of my close friends, Matt O'Neill, to come, and he's going to share a story. Matt and Sarah, um, they've been uh, members of our church. They've, they've uh, attended our church for, what, nine years, and uh, I'm just going to, I want to, this would be a confessional time. They haven't always been tithers. So we went out for coffee, and I rebuked it. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, <laughs> that's not what happened. That's not what happened. So what we're going to talk about a little bit, t- today's message is the tithing journey. And, uh, oh, and my, my daughter's going after your coffee. Train them young in the way they should go, and then they, when they grow old, they won't depart from it. I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a little bit unconventional. We're going to do a little bit more interview style. I'm going to bring a, a little bit of the structure with my teaching anointing. And he's going to bring a little bit of the non-structure with his prophetic anointing. And then we'll just see, see where we end up. I had a, I had a dream that, um, that we got to like the end and there was like five minutes to go. And we didn't even talk about anything we were supposed to talk about. And I was really stressing out over it. So would you, would you stay on track, Matt? So, no, I'm just joking. Uh, um, so, have you, today, what we really want to talk about 
um, is, is kind of the heart of the whole tithing issue. And next week, I'm going to teach on tithing. This week, we're going we're gonna to do the, like the story, the journey of tithing and, and how God really wants the heart. So it's command versus heart. Um, there's the, the kid, and maybe you were the kid growing up, but there's the kid that says, you know, I may be sitting on the, on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. Any of you ever, ever said that? Yeah? It, let, me just, let me just ask this, and you can raise your hand if you'd like. Are there any rebels in the room? Are there anybody that, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, like someone tells you, uh, uh, you know, you know th- you do this or don't do that, and you, and you don't just, like, do what they say, right? You're, you're not just a, I was kind of, I was the kid growing up that my mom would, would count to three, and by, before, like two and a half I was there at her, at her side, right? My brother was the kid that it was like, Two and a half, two and three quarters, I mean, a little bit. And then, and then she'd get to three, and he still wasn't there. He was just testing, just as, are, are you serious? Are you not serious? Right? You know, any of you like that? Any of you like it? Like, you're going to count to three, four, five, and yeah, Bo, Bo, I appreciate Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being honest, man. We'll, we'll see if you get paid this week. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so this is, this, it's, a real, it's a real issue. So there's a command and then there's the heart. How many of you would it have helped if mom or dad said, well, here's the reason why? Well, here's the heart of the issue, right? But if you, if you were like in my home, like it was like the louder they got, right? Right? And, and, then, and then you obeyed. Any of you like that? You can raise your hand if you like. Are you the one? Raise your hand if you're the loud one. All right, we got, all right. You know, and so that's, that was kind of it, you know? Uh, and so we would, maybe you were like me. I would always say, well, why? And the answer was, because I said so, exactly. How many know that that doesn't always work for everybody? Now, the truth is, when it comes to our Christianity, it absolutely is okay for God to say, because I said so. But I love that we serve a relational God. That more than just because I said so, he, he's after the heart. And so today, the, the main thought, like we try to do every week, is this. The main thought is this, God wants your tithe, but he'd rather have your heart. How many knows that? God wants your tithe, but he'd rather have your heart. I believe this, that once he has your heart, he has your tithe. We're going to talk a little bit about this. Here's a couple of scriptures to hang on to. Romans chapter 2, starting verse 13 says, for it is, and I'm probably messing up my media people up there, I apologize. Romans chapter 2, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So Romans 2 is saying this, that the, the Jews had the law already. They, they grew up with the law. They, they could memorize the law. In fact, by the time they were um, 12 years old, um, they had memorized the first five books of the Bible, which was called the law. I mean, that, uh, any of you kids memorized the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? So they knew it. The Gentiles, basically it's non-Jews. Those that, that, that didn't grow up in that, they were, all, they were, they were basically, um, as they had come to know the Lord, they were doing things that the law required without being under the law. And so Paul's saying that they have the law written on their hearts, even though they didn't grow up with the law. And how many of you know that that's even a better deal? 
for, the, for it to be on your heart and then for it to come out in your actions. Uh, Jeremiah 31 in the Old Testament, verse 33, says it like this. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my, my people. And so um, next week we're going to dive into a little more teaching. This week we're going to kind of have a little bit of a structured story. How, does that sound good Very to you? you does that make you nervous? No? All right. Um, but let me give you just a few, a few thoughts to give context here. First of all, this. Uh, I just want to, just to clear the table here and clear the air, a tithe isn't a tip. Okay, have you ever thought about it like that? You know, some, you go to a restaurant or you go to like a, like a hotel or you go someplace and, and you're like, how much am I supposed to tip this person, you know? Well, you know, depending on how well they do, right? Isn't that how it is, right? You know, if I get good service, you can have 20, up to 20%, right? If, if the service is poor, you can get, to, you know, 10%. You know, so there's like this range depending on, you know, as a consumer, depending on, on, on the service. So I just want you to know, the tithe isn't a tip. The tithe is, is, um, is a command. It's, it's something that the Lord's saying, hey, um, uh, regardless of if, the, if you know, the sound was poor that day, you still give 10, right? You know, people walk out and say, you know what? You know, the, the worship was horrible, the preaching, I'm going to give eight, 8%. That's not a tithe, that's a tip, okay? All right, here, here's this. The tithe meant, meant the first 10% of your income, it was a command under the Mosaic Law. And, and when, you, when we say Mosaic Law, that was Moses, um, God through Moses um, made the law. There was 10 commandments, but there was like, how many know there were hundreds of commandments that they were supposed to follow? All these rules and regulations. And so it was under the Mosaic Law, it was a, but it was a pattern and tradition that predated the Mosaic Law. So maybe, I don't know if you knew that, but people were tithing um, well before the law was ever in place. Actually, Abraham kind of started the, the process. And, and if you go way back, there was even a pattern. If you look deeply, you look in, in Genesis, um, you know that God, uh, he, there was one tree that Adam and Eve weren't allowed to eat from, right? They could have everything else, but if they gave the one, if they didn't touch the one, everything else was blessed. But if they touched the one, how many know that that's a picture of tithing, that the rest was blessed because, and then once they, once they ate of that tree, everything else was cursed. It was just kind of an interesting thing. So even from the beginning, there's a whole pattern there, but you didn't know that. It's interesting to me. And so in other words, what we find is that um, what the patriarchs had established um, and had been doing for a long time, the law just affirmed that. And so Matt, I already kind of let the cat out of the bag that you haven't always been a tither. You know, did, uh, did, you, did you get convicted yet? Are you, are you up to 10%? Am I convicted? <laughs> no. Uh. So um, it, the Hebrews 10, 16 is kind of the verse that we're going off of today. It's, this is the covenant that I will make with them after these days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And so today, the, the heart of the issue. Um, tell me a little bit, um, you, were, you were talking with me this week about that you had a lot of head knowledge growing up in a, in a church environment, but you didn't really um, have the heart. Could you tell me some of that, that story? And by the way, he's, he's, he's a rebel when he was raising his hand. 
So I just want you to know. I didn't raise my hand. Oh, you didn't? I was being oh, because you were being uh, rebellious. Because I'm a rebel, rebel right? Oh, right? A true rebel would not do what the pastor <laughs> asked him to do. Um, oh, my goodness. I know. See? This is going to be a long message. Bo- both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that's like called slave, I think. Something oh, like that, oh, right? Is oh. that what that is? Right. Um, I'm but, Yeah, I grew up in the church um, from the time I was two, right around there. And... Um, my, my dad taught me to question everything. That was one of the principles that we grew up with is, is don't assume anything, question everything. So even if he agreed with me, he would question me on it. Um, and he was basing off of the scripture of, you know, always be able to give an account. And um, I took it as a challenge all the time. And so I questioned everything. Um, but it also allowed me to know a lot of head knowledge, like Jonathan said. And so growing up in the church, I could quote you or paraphrase anyways, every scripture that there was about uh, tithing or giving and that kind of thing. Um, but I never did it uh, because, number one, I didn't have a relationship with God. I wasn't even, I wasn't following him. Uh, I was probably saved as a, as a little kid, but I wasn't actively pursuing him. Uh, and then in 2005, yeah, 2005, February 2nd of 2005, uh, Sarah and I rededicated our lives to Christ and so it started this journey that we're going to be talking about today that we went on uh, for the change in the heart. Um, but it didn't negate the information that I had in my brain uh, about tithing or um, that type of a thing, giving or anything along those lines. Uh, but it, he was going after the heart like we, what we talked about earlier. So, I mean, we're talking about tithing, but, we're, but beyond all of that, it's, that's just kind of a, a peripheral thing, really. Mm-hmm. We're really talking about relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about, uh, about the heart. How did God, um, because I, I, I'm guessing, and just knowing some of your story, like when you, when you rededicated your life, you got saved or whatever, like God didn't, like the first order of business, like tithe. No. No, it, it's, uh, you know, we were talking this week is about it, like a relationship. You know, when you start dating somebody, you have all those butterflies and flutters and all this kind of stuff. And that's what it was like. I remember sitting in the clinic and I'm writing songs to the Lord and I, I'm doing all, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, there's prophecy and all this stuff just boiling out of me that I, you know, like I hadn't experienced before. And Sarah's like, you got to actually do some work, you know? Uh, it's like, oh, crud, yeah, I do have. And it made me mad, though, because I, I had this new relationship. I had this new uh, thing in my life that I had heard about, but I'd never truly experienced. And um, well, and just and as a side note, a little maybe a little bit of a rabbit trail. Not everybody knows what you and, and your wife Sarah do for a living and all that stuff. So give them a little bit of a kind of a background there. No, no. Um, so uh, <laughs> my, this is this is I, I'm never going to do this again. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so what we uh, yeah, I, I'm a physical therapist. Sarah's an occupational therapist. And uh, in 2004 of August, we started our own clinic here in town. And um, after I've been graduated, I think about a year, and Sarah had been graduated eight months, I think, something like that. So um, even without, and this is the, this is really the cool part. Um, you mentioned the, the briefly with the coffee thing about you know train your children up in the Lord, right? Yeah, right. right. And um, one thing that that came out of that, or, or one thing that I heard along the way, is Ravi Zacharias was talking about how the the original Hebrew is actually like a triple negative, where it says train your children up in the Lord and it will not depart from them because we're not the faithful ones. God is. So even when I was saved as a child, he did not depart from me. I, I went away. I ran. I did whatever I could to get away, but he did not depart from me. So even when we were sitting in Texas, 
I could feel this call and this drive and this thing to come back to Nebraska and start this clinic. And, and, and I had these dreams and these visions. And Sarah was, was gracious enough to come along on this journey with me. Um, and, uh, and so even before we rededicated our lives to Christ, God was working in us and, and working on that heart. Um, and so then when we came back, yeah, uh, we started our own clinic. And um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where we're at. We're still in the... Yeah, we, didn't, we, we rededicated our lives, and we didn't give anything to the church because uh, we had nothing to give. Um, we didn't have any money. Uh, everything that we had was built up into the business uh, and that type of thing. So where uh, we, didn't, we went without paychecks and, and stuff like that because we were building this thing. And um, well, how, did God, how did God start going after um, relationship? Because all you knew in the church was rules, regulations, and all that. And, and, yeah. it, and it shifted there at the, as you rededicated your life. It, it was a shift in, in really the, um, for those of you that have been in church in a, a long time, uh, in the, um, well, the early 2000s, there's, there's a major shift, I think, um, back to relationship. Uh, we had a renewal thing that was back in the, in the 90s and, uh, and that sort of thing with uh, Pensacola and all these other, you know, Toronto and all these revivals. But there was a, this shift to this father's heart. And that's when we came back in, when, when, when the church was really shifting towards this father's heart. Um, and f- for us, if he came to me and said, you need to do X, Y, and Z, I would have rebelled against him in- instantly. Because I'm like, no, you're asking me to give something that I, I have nothing to give anyways. And so he knew that. And, and that wasn't his call was to, was to take 10% or, or this or that. His call was my heart, and he wanted that relationship. And so for me, um, I'll equate it as a take it out of tithe and take it into music. Music is like, for me, is uh, if I have an idol, that's my, that's my thing. That's my, my thing that drives my, me every single day. I have music constantly playing, uh, constantly surrounded by music. And he didn't come in and say, you have to get rid of all your secular music. If it doesn't say Christ, you got to get rid. He didn't say that because he knows, he knows that I would have rebelled against him. I, I, I would have fought him on that. And so what he said was he went after my number one idol, Metallica. He said, get rid of it. And I had hundreds, if not, you know, maybe $1,000, but I had hundreds of dollars worth of stuff with that one band. I didn't want to get rid of it. When we drive down the road, if a song came on, I'd make everybody stop talking. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what that, that music held over me. But he said, get rid of that one thing. But when, he, when I got rid of it, he gave me another band to replace it, a Christian band. Every time he removed something, he gave me something in exchange. And, and it started this process where I wasn't convicted. Nobody came up and said, thou shalt do this or that or whatever, and you need to feel horrible because you have this music and you, know, you have these CDs or whatever. He slowly was working on me. And I'd be driving down the road and be like, oh, man, I don't need to be listening to this anymore. And I'd get rid of it. And then he'd give me something else. And, and that's the exchange that started to happen. Um, with tithe and giving, I remember talking to my dad and said, I, I got nothing. I don't, we don't have any money. I, we're barely paying our bills. You know, we just started this thing. What do we do? And he's like, whatever God tells you to do. And so um, with Bruce and, Bruce and Cheryl, I started um, in the ministry, or worship ministry. And I started playing guitar you know, one Sunday a month. I play guitar and write music and stuff. Um, and I started learning and, and joining and giving time because that's all that I had. And slowly that increased, increased, and increased to where then I was leading worship um, and giving that as well. Um, How'd you learn to start trusting God? Because that, that was a process. Yeah, the, the process is uh, when you have nothing, um, there's a shift that occurs in your life. Um, because, and, and when I say, you know, have nothing, I mean, we never went hungry. We never sat there and said, 
oh, we have nothing to eat. I mean, there's always something to eat. You know, there's always ramen noodles. Ramen noodles. Exactly. There's, there's always something. And the, the way that Sarah's a cook, um, she can make everything seem like a, you know, 10-course chef meal oh, out of a bag of ramen noodles. Point, Sarah. Absolutely. That's point number one, you know. Uh, bless your wife because she'll feed you. Um, <laughs> but I had made decisions, uh, business decisions and things that put us in a really hard place. I, we had built a new building um, our third year or fourth year in, and, it, and then the economy crashed, and everything shifted. And we got to the point where we were selling things out of our house to pay payroll for other people. We were going without payroll ourselves and stuff like that. And then it was times where we were like, how are we going to pay for groceries? How are we going to do this? And what we learned was there was a shift, a shift that had started occurring um, from this is my kingdom, <laughs> this is my thing, I'm going to take over the world, um, to God, I have nothing. And I just wrote $15,000 worth of payroll checks. Or I just wrote lease and payroll checks. And there's nothing that I can do now because I already did the therapy. There's nothing I can do to bring money in. Literally, wow. you have to bring this in or I'm going to bounce wow. checks and, and things are going to go really, really bad really, really quickly. And so I had to, there had to be a shift and it happened so many times and it might have been only been $50 or this or that, this bill or this unexpected expense came up. But it happened so many times uh, that I, I, I learned that, that he was so intimately wrapped up in our finances. There was one time, maybe you were going to say, when you were in, I think you were in Grand Island, and he asked you to give in an offering. Yeah, uh, when we, we went to Grand Island to Abundant Life before we started here, and um, we didn't have any money to, to give. I mean, it was just a matter of just going to church type of thing. And there was one time specifically um, where uh, it was $70. I heard $70. I don't know if you remember that or not. <clears throat> That's all that we had in our bank account. That was literally it. And I remember sitting there um, in church, and, and we were talking about it, like, that's all we have. And I'm like, but that's what we're supposed to give. I don't. And, and we wrote a check, and that was really stinking hard to write that check. But I, I have no idea. Obviously, we got money that came in after that. You know what I mean? Things worked out. Um, things were blessed um, beyond that point. And um, there was times when Sarah and I would be sitting there and say, all right, you think of a number and I'll think of a number. And there were sometimes we went with my number uh, and there were sometimes we went with her number. It was just kind of where the, the spirit led at that moment. Um, and sometimes we didn't give anything because we had nothing to give at that point. How often did he go with your number? That's what I want to know. With my number? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, <I'm> not, less. <laughs> Do you want to come up here and talk? All right. So we... Uh, in this journey to, to being a, a tither and really being a, a giver, um, you, you got started working on your heart and, and you would grab what would seem like a lot of money to you at the time, you know, $70, you know, give everything that you have and all this and, and little, little places here and little, learning how to trust him, learning how to trust him. And you started working on even just motives. Um, there's a verse in Second uh, uh, Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 7, it says, So let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. So there's this place where it's not just this thing, well, I'm going to pay my bill this week, right? Any of you ever felt like that or, or, or it seems like that? I'm just going to just pay the bill. But it, but it really comes out of this place of the heart, this cheerfulness, this, this like, I, it's part of worship, you know? And, uh, and so in that place that you were telling me a story, um, and and I'm gonna pick on you again. You were you were out to coffee with uh, our 
our former pastor. And you know what I'm going to what I'm going to yeah, say? So I'll just cut you off. You want to just cut me off yeah, there? So, all right. All right. Um, you better tell the right story. Ex- exactly. Well, okay. Of course. So I don't know if, actually, <laughs> if Greg even remembers this, um, but we were sitting at Alley Rose, and um, almost from the, the moment that we switched to churches here, uh, Greg and I started meeting every week for lunch um, on Fridays. And um, if you don't know Greg, or for those that you do, it's relationship, right? I mean, it's all about one-on-one and connection and all that kind of stuff. So we went out to lunch, and I had the audacity and my arrogance as, as a youth to ask him this question of, some point we're going to hit a million dollars in our business, which means that I'm going to be able to write $100,000 in tithe check. What are you going to do with that money? That's what, uh, do you even remember that? <laughs> were you chuckling? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. In, oh, in, in, my, lo- my in, young in Greg, Exactly, right? <laughs> Our, in Greg's wisdom, I don't even think he answered the question, okay? Um, because, because he knew that, that I was asking a question, but my head was in, in, in a different place. Uh, my heart and my head weren't aligned at that moment. And, um, and so I don't even remember his response um, from that. What I do remember is that he never once again brought up tithe, through all the ups and downs of our businesses and more ups as we kind of went along, he never talked about tithe. He never talked about, hey, I, I looked at the, the, the tithe schedule and you know you're not really given, you know. He didn't do any of that because it was all about relationship. And so if you talk about motive, um, uh, Greg was the complete reflection of our relationship with Christ where he's just like, hey, give me, just, just give me whatever whatever. I, I, I want your heart. I want that relationship. I want that interaction with you because that's uh, so much more important than a physical, tangible thing. Why did you want to know what, what the church was going to do with your tithe? Did I tell you that answer already? <laughs> Line? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I don't really know, you know, uh, because at, at that point, it was still about me. It was all about, this is my money. What do you, are you going to be a good steward of mine? So I'm going to invest $100,000 in one year in somebody, right, in the stock market, and with my accountant, with uh, whatever, uh, uh, upstart of a business. You want to know what your return is going to be. What are you going to get out oh, of it? That's good. And so at that point, I was treating uh, the, the, that tithe, that 10%, as mine. So this is mine. I give it to you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to show me as a return? And over time, there's been this shift um, through those trials, through those points where, where we didn't have money to pay bills, we didn't have money to, you know, whatever, we were selling stuff, to God showing his faithfulness all the time, right? He never left us. And every single time he did that, it, it strengthened this, this resolve that this is not mine. This is yours what can I do f- with it? What, what, what do you want me to do with this? When you give me this, what now what should I do? Because this is yours. This has nothing to do with me um, other than I'm just a conduit at that point. And um, so there was a, a real shift from it's mine, my, give me my return, yeah. to this is not mine at all. God, you bless us. You do some amazing things with this. Even at that point, we weren't giving 10% though. Even, I even, I mean, like last week, I, I shared something about if I view it as mine and I give it away, sometimes it hurts. But if it's God's and I give it away, I'm like, oh, this isn't even my money. <laughs> you know, right. it's like reaching into your neighbor's pocket and giving somebody, you know, a hundred bucks. They're like, yeah, it doesn't hurt me. <laughs> Might hurt them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, 
yeah. And, 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 and yeah. You kind of went down a rabbit's trail on that one. Uh, I, well, I, I threw me off my train I mean, of thought. I'm so. in charge. He is in charge, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm allowed. We still weren't at, at, at 10%. At, at, at what is biblically considered the tithe. And that was simply because, um, again, we weren't paying ourselves. We were paying all of our employees more than we were paying ourselves. We were just getting by because we were still growing this business. And um, the shift occurred uh, when I had a friend speak into my life um, dealing with, with motive, what, which is the, the point what we're on right now, is motive. Is, and, and what he knew or the spirit knew at that moment is I needed to hear about faith. Had he told me this, Five years earlier, I wouldn't have listened. So God, you know, we talked about timing and that sort of thing. I use this term, and it's the wrong term. I, I understand that um, wrong theological term. But the way that I say it is, is Abba, um, uh, Abba time or Abba chronicle, the Father's time. The Father's timing is always perfect. When you hear something, it's like that's when you need to see it. You open a book, that's when you needed to read it. You know, those types of things over and over in my life. And I had a friend, and, and we were praying, and he says, uh, what do you want? prayer for. And I'm thinking, he goes, how about a million dollars? I said, no, 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 no. I don't need a million dollars. Because that's true to my heart. I don't need a million dollars. I need, you know, what I've been living on, right? And he goes, oh, man, I want a million dollars. Can you imagine what I could do with a million dollars? And he went on to tell me about how he just started tithing 10%. And when he did that, um, a, a $20,000 check showed up in, his, bank, in his, his mailbox that he wasn't expecting. Um, and he literally took all of that and gave it to a family that he knew needed that money. $20,000 check. What could you do with a $20,000 check showing up in your mailbox you weren't expecting? And then he said something else. He was talking about tithe. So, or I, I emailed him that week. I said, okay, what about this tithe thing? Don't tell me scripture. Don't tell me that junk because I already know it. What, what, what about this? Tell me something. And he apologized for this later when I saw him a year later because um, he thought he was going to get struck by lightning. But what he told me hit me at that moment. He said, I dare you to tithe 10% for six months and then look at the increase in your life. If, you, if there's no increase, if there's no increased blessing, finances, whatever, he says, don't worry about tithing, don't worry about worshiping because he's not a God to worship. That's guts. I dare you <laughs> to give to this God that he challenged us to do. So he wasn't being sacrilegious to them, but he said, I dare you. Six months. If God can't follow through on his word, who cares? Don't give your money. Don't give your time. Go do something else. Go party. Go have fun. But he knew that that faith thing is what I had to hear right at that moment. And when I said, I can grab a hold of that, that is faith. That's not head knowledge. That's not this law. That's not this thing that I'm bound by. That's faith. So instantly I came home and we talked to him. He said, we got to tithe. We got we to go hunt that 10% instantaneously right now. When we did that, I can show anyone that wants to see, I can show you our business numbers. Our cancellation rate dropped in half and our, our units, the, the amount of time that we see people, jumped instantly. Our numbers were here in that, that moment, that, that week, our numbers jumped. Wow. And has, has been continuing on at a high level ever since. So God, I mean, God commanded the tithe. And at that point, uh, your friend was, was basically, he, he, he knew that, the command. He knew the rule. And, uh, and was challenging you with the rule, although the Lord all along had been working on your heart. 
You know, and the, and the rule actually says, so Leviticus 27, verse 30 says, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, is holy, holy to the Lord. Uh, Malachi actually goes on, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And so you see like the, the precedent, you see the command of tithes and everything. God didn't start there with you. But in this whole process, then your friend brings you back to well, this is what the Lord wants. This is what, and more than what he wants, this is what, he, this is what he's commanding of our lives. And, and so there was just an interesting place where God wasn't like beating you over the head. You know, you were, I mean, how many years since you rededicated the Lord to the point when you started tithing? Uh, that was in 2014, 13, 2013. So that was eight years. Eight years. Uh-huh. Wow, and you and he didn't like use guilt and shame and condemnation to like bring you into the, the fold. No, because he doesn't operate that way, right? Wow. He used a friend. He used somebody that I had built relationship wow. with. Wow. Um, to, to, uh, yeah, to open uh, the, again. Abba Chronicle. I needed to hear it at that moment, at That's that time. You know, there's something that the Lord does, where it's called His mercy. And he brings us along and has his mercy cover us for uh, during this like training period, right? As he's going after our hearts. And then all of a sudden we get to this place where he's like, okay, now. And, and it's, it's at that point, it's like for, for this, in this example, it was the tithes. But it could be anything for, for all of us. It could be all these different things. And at this point, finally it was like, okay, okay now, now I want you to do my command. And I would just ask you, we talked about this the other day, like you knew up until that point that, that God's mercy was on your life and that, but now what if you just stopped tithing today? Like what if you stopped doing what God asked you to do? My assumption is that everything would start to crumble, um, is, is my assumption. Wow. And the, the reason for that is because, um, because it would be against my heart and my head and my being and everything. Um, and, and it would be against his will then at that point um, because he's already proven himself to be faithful. You know, it, it, it's like, I guess the image that comes into my life or in, into, my, into my brain right now is um, I just fell through the ice, right? And I'm sitting there struggling for eight years, nine years, and the rescuer comes along and he's always been, hey, hey, just grab a hold, just grab a hold. And he's slowly pulling me out. He finally gets me out. And then I say, nah, I'm just going to jump back into the freezing water, right? To me, that doesn't make sense Wow. to, to go against the heart of the one that just rescued you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I, I guess I, I never look, I, I, at the beginning of every, every month, the way that I do it, the way that we do it is um, I go on and do online payments on, through our bank account. So I go and I look at when, when we get our paychecks and I just automatically put that tithe out there, and then I'm done for that month and I move on. The reason I do it every single month is because I want to have some active involvement in that. That's just not just a kind of a blanket thing. I want to reaffirm every month I'm putting this amount of money in uh, to tithe. So it's not even ours. And on our budget line, I will get rid of anything, anything that I can compared to that tithe. Because now it's, it's number one. Um, when we, we didn't have the money. That, we talked about this before. Who can afford tithe? And I said nobody. Nobody can actually afford it. Um, because life 
you know, encroaches or, or encroaches all the time. It's always pushing in, so nobody can afford. Tithes. Does anybody? In, does anyone have an extra ten percent in their extra? Yeah. Anybody have Excess. like an extra ten percent in your in your bank accounts that you just like? You know, I've been waiting for something. I'm glad they're talking about the tide today. Right. Exactly. Anybody? Yeah. No? Um, if you wait till the end of the month, right? There's there's never anything left. And so um, we plan for it ahead of time. So even on this last year, when we didn't follow our budget 100%, I still always put that tithe in first, is the first thing that came out. And um, now I'm looking forward. I'm, I've, I've switched my focus to I own, this is what I need to this is what I want. God called me, one of the names he called me was an extravagant dreamer. I have started to dream again. For many, many years, I stopped dreaming and I just was just surviving. Now I'm in this point where I'm beginning to dream I'm beginning to think larger. What can I do? What can I do for God? What, what kind of, not tithe. Tithe's done. We're good with that. Now what can I give? Last year, uh, be, above and beyond, we were able to give to people for their overseas adoptions. We were able to ter- help turn on electricity for a person. We were able wow. to do these types of things um, because of the blessing that he has poured out upon us uh, because I was faithful in that, that hour up on, on church service when I'm playing guitar. Because he was faithful to pay payroll. Because I was faithful to help come and lead. Because he was fa- faithful in paying wow. my lease. Because I was faithful in this. Why didn't you just stop at the tithe, man? I mean, that's like the, I mean, that's the requirement right there. The, you did it. Good job. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, I stopped giving at the church 10%, right? So I stopped there. I don't give the church more than 10%, hmm. right? Above that, for me, in my opinion, it's me to play with. And God wants to play. So if he leads me some, some Sunday or leads Sarah to write a check to the church for, you know, whatever, because it's a special offering, cool. I have no problems with that. But he knows that that 10% is his, and we don't even have to discuss it. Now we get to play with the excess. We get to play and bless others and do amazing, really cool things above and beyond. When you asked about dreaming this morning, or, or Bo did, or somebody, you know, I think it was you right at the beginning of worship, you're like, dream, think big. And so what I thought of was, oh, I'm going to get my house paid off. And I stopped myself and I said, no, that's stupid. That's, uh, that's, I can do that right now, right? I mean, I, I can't do that right now, but that's going to happen. I said, dream big. So what I dreamed about was this massive, I, last night I watched a video of um, a heavy metal concert in Russia, in Moscow. And there was like 100,000 people there just going nuts over this music. And what I thought of, what I dreamed of was that I get to sit on stage and every single one of them are going to be worshiping God. We're going to see hundreds of thousands of people switched in those places instantaneously, <laughs> freaking out and going after God. That's my dream. That's awesome. Man. So one thing that he told me as we were going along here, he gave me a vision uh, to the point where I have it tattooed on my arm. Of um, We were sitting there on, on the moon looking at the earth, and the earth lit on fire. And I'm like, what's going on? He says, you're going to do that. You're going to light the earth on fire. I said, how am I going to do that? He goes, look at your hands. I looked at my hands. There were stacks of money and tools and all sorts of amazing things. He said, I've given you everything to do that. So every time an opportunity comes up, I realize that this ha- no longer has anything to do with me other than being faithful of stepping into something. I don't have to struggle and fight for that extra dollar to, to give to that person. I don't have to fight for the hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars or whatever it's going to take to, to cause, cause a revival of 100,000 people at a rock show. I don't have to do that. He's given me everything that it's going to take to do that. I just have to be faithful in taking that next step. 
So for me, the, t- the tithe is just a foundation, right? We got to the point where more, the foundation of my house that I'm building um, or that he's building for me in heaven is solid, okay? Now we're, we're building on there. We're, we're going wow. above and beyond. We're going to add rooms and structures and, and <laughs> foyers and all sorts of things beyond and above. So t- talk for just a minute. We just have a couple more minutes left. Talk about that 90%. How is it blessed? The, you, you obeyed God with the 10 how is the 90% blessed? And, and I, we talked even more, more than just finances were blessed since that moment that yeah. you, you decided. Uh, three years ago, four years ago, I, I fell out of the sky on purpose and um, broke this ankle, my left ankle, uh, fractured it, blew out the ligaments and everything, and it was healed within three weeks. Wow. You know, the doctor told me, again, there's only surgery was my only option. And I have, you know, I gave a presentation at church, you know, with pictures and all that kind of stuff before and after. And it was healed in three weeks. That's a blessing. I have a broken back. I have two fractured, destroyed vertebrae, two herniated discs, and a tumor all in my lumbar spine. But if I didn't say that and you'd come and work out with me or do anything with me, you would never know that that's going on in my back. That's a blessed life, right? That that is a, a blessing. Wow. Um, Romans eight twenty uh, or eighty four twelve and Jeremiah seventeen seven says, "Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord." That is my life scripture. That is that is a thing that that I hold on to to the point where I have that tattooed on my back. Um, because that will push me forward. That word blessed also means happy. Happy and blessed. I am happy. My son, his name is Asher, which means blessed and happy. So this becomes a generational type of a thing, that that 90% that we're talking about, it goes above and beyond me, right? He called me extravagant dreamer, but he called my son extravagant giver. He said, everything that I make, he's going to give away. So I'm building this today to put into his kingdom for him to give away. That's blessing to me. That is above and beyond the 90%. We are to the point where uh, if I walk into the office and we've had a ton of brand new referrals, my secretary turns around and goes, you've been praying again, haven't you? (laughs) The people around me know that we have become blessed and they know why we are blessed. And they can see it without me preaching because it's relationship, right? I'm not beating anyone over the head of doing anything. We're trying to build a relationship. We're trying to push into that. But the people have been around me that, that have been around me so long, they see those patterns. You've been praying again. And the, the power of your prayer, because you have a relationship with that dude up in heaven, means that we're all being blessed. Their payrolls get met, right? Wow. Their families get blessed. So I have, I don't know, I, what do we have right now? Nine, ten employees, something like that. And they're almost all married. And then they have kids. And, right? I mean, this structure, it goes out. This is not me and Sarah anymore. This is going out exponentially. Um, we talked real briefly, uh, and, and this will be my last story here. We still got 25 minutes. What are you talking about? We go until noon, man. Oh, yeah. Um, that's right. I forgot. <clears throat> I didn't dawn on me until Jonathan and I were talking this week about, uh, we were talking about my dad and tithing. And um, he grew up Catholic, and so he loved rules, you know, even though he questioned everything. But the, if the Bible said this, he did it. No questions asked. So he would tithe. He owned his own business. And when we were growing up, we were, as kids, um, I remember getting deodorant for Christmas. Okay? I remember getting socks for Christmas. Uh, my brother and I were talking about it last week. We remember sitting there, and we would have one present at home, maybe the thing that we wanted, maybe. And all of our cousins would be open on all these other things. But my dad always tithed 10%. To the point where... Even in the 80s when we had nothing, he was still tithing 10% on what he assumed God would bring him at the end of the, by the end of the year. 
not on 10% of really what he, even what he had at that moment, but on what God would bring him. We would be sitting there, and I don't remember these times, um, but, but my dad talks about them, about we'd be waiting for groceries to be, people would be bringing us groceries because we had no food. I remember eating government peanut butter and all this other kind of stuff and, uh, you know, sitting around the register trying to stay warm because, you know, in our trailer. And I remember, and, but dad was willing to sacrifice everything in order to follow God. He would sacrifice us. He would sacrifice his wife to follow God. He would sacrifice everything. And the breakthrough that, that, occur, that occurred with that, that has flowed down to the blessings of, of us kids, and now exponentially even on to our kids, my nieces and nephews, it is, I, I could stand out here for hours and tell you stories about how amazing each, gener, each successive generation is getting in every area of blessing of our lives. It is beyond imagination. And it's because it really started with my dad and my mom saying, here's our line. We're going after God worth everything, and we will sacrifice everything to follow God. So, so right before we close, I want you to just take a minute, because everyone's at a different place, you know. You've got people in here that have been tithing for years. Some have been given extravagantly like you. Some never have given in church before. Some are, you know, you've got a whole spectrum. How do they, one, how do they find their starting place? What would you, like, what's the, how do you begin this journey that you've been on for, for these few years? Um, <clears throat> uh, two things, knowing God, and number two, knowing yourself. The first thing that I would, I, 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 and, and we're going to do it here, um, both of those things really, is um, go after God. Begin to seek him. Uh, what I started doing this week, I started writing down the things that I know are true about God. What is my foundation of God? God is faithful all the time, regardless of circumstances or my actions. He is faithful all the time. He's always in a good mood. He loves me more than anyone. He loves you more than anyone. Those are the, these foundational types of things. So I go after that, and if he is always faithful, then he'll do what he says. If he loves me more than anyone, then he will always take care of me as his favorite child. Second thing is that knowing you, knowing who you're created to be. If I'm his favorite child, do I truly believe that? Mm. Because I can't give like a favorite child. I can't receive like a favorite child unless I know that I'm a favorite child. Unless I know what I'm created to be, um, I'm, I'm just going to be sitting there floundering. He's going to give me a gift, and I, don't, I, I won't even unwrap it because I'm not worthy to unwrap this amazing gift. Or if I do unwrap it, I'm, I'm not going to know what it is. I'm not going to know how to use it because I don't know who I am. So for me, it's those two pivotal things, knowing God and knowing yourself. And if you do that, then the relationship occurs, and he'll tell you what you need to do when you need to do it. 1%, 2%, 3%, 10%, and then you're all your giving and blessing beyond that, whatever. He wants you to get rid of uh, cable, cool. He wants you to keep cable, fine. It's all about relationship. It's all about where he wants you to be, when he wants you to be, that Abba Chronicle that, that we've been talking about. Wow. But you've got to know him, That's and you've got to know yourself. Hey, Pastor Kelly, I want you to come and with you as, as we get ready here. And, and uh, Matt, I'd like you to take us into a time of responding to this. If you have even just, uh, I don't know if you have a last thought for everybody before we do that. And then as you give your last thought, then I want you to just tell us how we're going to respond to this message today. It, it's really interesting that 
one of the greatest things about, about this is that um, none of us are perfect, and he already knew that, right? So that takes off all the pressure right there. And so when we were coming this morning, I just said, God, you know, this isn't about me. I, I want you to speak. I want you, you to say what you need to say when you need to say it. And so then he gave me the dream of that, that river. And then I, as I'm sitting here, and then he gave me the vision of, of the, the floodwaters coming up and down. And, and after this is all done, the memory came in, uh, to me of what I was hearing this week. The reason the flooding down the Mississippi is so severe is because a man put up levees to wall in the river. I said, ah. We have built these walls. We have built these structures because we, we accept God within this little flow. God's okay. I'm safe and I'm comfortable if, if God is held within these banks. But what he wants to do this morning is he wants to tear down those levees. He wants to tear down those walls and say, okay, will you allow me to flood into your life, create such deep, intimate relationship with you that you will do when I, what I ask you to do when I ask you to do it, and we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> I like that. So we're just going to go into just a, a time, just some, some light music here, um, just so you can kind of drown out the background noise. And we're going to ask God, God, who are you? Reveal yourself to me, your purity to me. And then instantaneously, within moments, God, who am I? <laughs> 